0: Welcome to the Ziegler show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Do you really know how to listen? I asked this question on Facebook. What have you been taught regarding listening, being a good listener? Do you think you are a good listener? We received over 50 responses, but while a lot of people shared things that they had heard in regards to being a good listener, most also admitted they aren't doing so good in this area. Well, the topic comes from my recent series on listening, brought to us by Oscar Trimboli. I don't miss his main show with us, number 651. For this Q&A session, I asked Oscar to join us. I think I learned more from hearing his responses to your real-life questions than I did in the main interview with him. And as you'll hear, Oscar was listening to me, watching me. And you'll hear firsthand how he employs deep listening skills right there in the moment. And he was just masterful in answering all of your comments and questions. I've had so many people say they went to his website at Oscar Trimboli. that's T-R-I-M-B-O-L-I, and purchased his book, Deep Listening. I highly, highly recommend it. I'm about to go on a getaway with my wife, and I'm taking the book with me to share with her and talk through together. Okay. So we're going to start off with Oscar and your questions right after I share some great resources. All right, here we go. Then listening to the listening doctor himself, Oscar Trimboli, and your questions about listening. Well, Oscar, every once in a while, I am intrigued enough by a topic, by a, an issue that I not only want to do a Q&A and hear what our audience really has to say about the issue, but I also uh, want the, the expert at hand, you in this case, to join me and go through these and, and really hear from your perspective. So thank you again for taking your time to come and invest in all of our lives.
1: Yeah, looking forward to listening to the questions.
0: Well, we've got, gosh, we've got some really good, some really in-depth ones. So I'm just going to start rattling them off and I'll let you, I'll let you respond. Here's a couple that I'll, I'll bring to you. Tony Cooper says in leadership, she learned, be the last to speak, focus on listening and hearing everyone then speak. I have had to practice and continue to practice being a good listener. So on that phrase she says there, be the last to speak was the next one too. Brandon Russell. He says, the biggest thing I've remembered and been taught is to always wait to listen, not wait to talk. Too many of us are waiting to say the next thing on our mind and don't even register what the other person is saying. If we wait to listen, then we will intently pay attention to the person who's talking. If we wait to talk, then what they say never has any bearing on what our next thought is. I thought both of those very much in line with your message, though I also resonate with sometimes I have methodically waited to be the last person to speak, still, however, so I could say what I wanted to say and I was not actually listening.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll make a little distinction in the leadership context that Tony Mm -hmm. was mentioning. Um, The point about speaking last is, It's really powerful and people who practice that consistently get so much more from their teams. And in one-on-ones, that's completely true. In groups, sometimes you can lose them. They feel lost sometimes. So waiting to speak last is great. And if you want to build on that and you've mastered that step, create a framework for the group to think through as they have a conversation so that you can help them to understand the boundary conditions of the conversation, what's inside the box, what's outside the box. And the boundary condition may be there is no boundary conditions. And in some cases, if you're talking about the future and strategy and new markets, that's really productive. But if you're talking about operational issues and getting stuff done in a really narrow short-term time frame that has implications for other divisions or maybe how products are supplied to customers, listening through a framework is also productive to the group because when they understand the boundary conditions, they kind of juice up a bit more because they're comfortable in speaking through that framework. So leaders who step beyond Uh, speaking last also are quite comfortable in creating a framework and I'll give you a simple example the framework might be something as simple as guys as we think about this topic let's think about what this means for our staff for our suppliers and our customers if you're in the public sector you might think about what does this mean for our budgets what does this mean for our voters And what does this mean for our political representatives? So through that way, you're almost signaling how you're going to be thinking about your decision rather than your answer. So having a framework liberates the group to go, where's the edge? Because a lot of times when people don't know the edge, they don't show up fully self-expressed. But when they do know where the edge is, they're happy to go right to it and sometimes beyond. So same thing shows up if you know the rules of the game when you're playing baseball game, when you're playing basketball game, um, you can be at your best. So leaders who speak last, an opportunity, if they've mastered that, is to help the group listen to themselves by giving them a really good framework too.
0: Well, and I appreciate starting off with that. Business focus, because I know that's where you originally came to a lot of your message here on listening, though, of course, have now gone into just the overall into our personal lives. And that's where really most of the next or most of the rest of our questions come from a pretty personal right. standpoint. I'll, I'll keep going here. Gregory Byline he says the cliche cliche adage of two ears, one mouth comes to mind. Sometimes I find myself wanting to interject though. I often sit on that then contribute a bit later. Sometimes I find myself wanting to interject though. I often, uh, I often sit on it and interject a bit, a bit later until I've had enough. And he has in quotes until <laughs> I've had enough. Then I'll either chime in and share a doozy or fully disconnect in futility in a conversation. I'm a decent listener. If I'm up and about doing something that fights for my attention, then I'm more of a selective listener, uh, to what is being said uh, to me, but but I'm a fantastic listener to the circus in my head. Um, aren't we all, aren't we all, but that, you know, comes into, we talked about that in the first show about respect ultimately. And, And, and Oscar, as we've, You know, in the what the week, I think, or since we've talked last, that's really what has been most prominent as I chew on this is how often I am lost. I'm the lost listener thinking of my own thoughts because I am not respecting the person in front of me. And I think that's got to be such a core issue that really brings into account almost a bigger, a bigger uh, root cause of not listening is giving people your respect. I, I don't have any point on that. I'll, I'll throw that to you because right now I'm just kind of stuck in there having to realize myself.
1: The, the irony, Kevin, is when you talk about respect in that context and the example we just heard, the, the respect isn't for the other. If you respected yourself more. The dialogue you have in your mind wouldn't be so violent against yourself. The dialogue in your mind wouldn't be so judgmental on yourself. So maybe the respect you need to pay first is to you. And when you do, um, maybe that dialogue will die. You know, will 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 calm down. Will will lessen. Will retract and create that space. But it's so common. Uh, the research that I've done, other researchers have said the same thing. 86% of people struggle just to get in the conversation because they're in a dialogue with themselves. Mm. So just it's okay. I I often joke the difference between a, a recreational listener and a deep listener isn't that a deep listener will be distracted by that dialogue. It's that they know it's there and they know how to deal with it and they, they're okay with it. So I, I know I'm going to be distracted. And, you know, one of my favorite phrases a lot of the time, and people quite surprised, um, and I'll do it regularly in workshops, I'll say, look, Kevin, I'm really sorry. I got distracted there. Could you say that again? My apologies. Yeah. And, and and gives you respect to go, okay, you're human, you can make mistakes. And it gives them respect. And I've never been in a situation where somebody rolled their eyes or somebody... kind of huffed and puffed if you do it genuinely and you do it with humility people respond to that but um yeah cut yourself some slack there mate
0: all right point taken thank you (laughs) Well, on that, on that, that area, you know, Matt, Matt Horn here, he says, in my opinion, listening is from a humble mindset and a state of being of service. If you are an active listener, then you truly are looking for ways in which you can relate to the other individual and perhaps provide some solutions or offerings if possible. But sometimes, and he has uh, in parentheses coming from a bloke, which has taken me many years to learn, just ask my wife. Uh, You don't have to try and fix. You just have to listen. So I want to ask that Uh, being married, that is some being married. And I'll say being a male, that's a common cliche that we hear is you don't sit there and listen to your wife. A lot of times she just wants to talk. You don't have to fix it. You just have to listen in taking that. Maybe I went to the far end to where I would let that go and then really not say much of anything. Maybe, mm. you know, just a, and I'm sorry, and not offer anything, which that often, that wasn't always the right response either. It's not that she didn't want me silent completely. Um, mm. maybe not to fix, but I'll, I'll speak from a man standpoint. Cause I've talked with others that sometimes where do I balance that? I'm not supposed to fix, but sometimes pure silence is not the answer anyways. So I come back to where Matt, Matt started a humble mind state, a mindset and a state of being of service, is that more on the right wavelength and taking each conversation captive and and trying to discern where do where can I be of value to this person?
1: Yeah. And, and men generically listen to fix and and females listen to feel. So the question you pose is rather than staying at one end of the spectrum fixed, and the other end of the spectrum completely lost, it's a simple question you could uh, pose partway through the conversation at the beginning of the conversation or at the end of the conversation. And it's just a simple question. What do you need from me in this conversation? That could be a question you could ask your wife at any point and, uh, She'll tell you, trust me, <laughs> you know, and uh, our, our dog is a great um, way uh, to keep our conversation grounded and going when we walk around the block at our house um, between me and my wife. And uh, the dog helps both of us stay present in the conversation. But the premise of humility means that, yeah, you're giving up a bit of yourself to listen to them. Most cases, people just want to be heard. They don't want to be fixed. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but if I want to be fixed, I'll tell someone pretty quickly. But for most of us, we just want to be heard.
0: And that is, yeah, such a significant um, crux. I can attest to that. I often do, but there's so often with those closest to you, especially where. It is, uh, sometimes feels overwhelming not to offer a solution, especially when you're hearing about pain, mm. uh, for sure. Well, I, I, Mo Skelton here says eye contact nonverbal communication is important. And to hear the person, some people just need to be heard and not fixed. I agree that being slow to speak and quick to listen as the Bible uh, teaches is important. Well, you spoke of course, to that in your book, deep listening on that, it's not just all about audio, all about ears. It is that being aware of somebody at eye contact, that nonverbal communication even makes me think about what you shared in our habits show that you are, have become a fan of photography because you see that as another form of listening, but talk to us a little bit on that on eye contact, the nonverbal communication. Is that something that we by far and large tend to, miss and not pay much attention to, even if we're focused on listening, because we are trying to really concentrate on the words and we're not listening or being in in tune to the spirit.
1: Yeah. I'll look at it from two dimensions on this one. The first dimension is from the speaker's perspective. So a speaker will, and three different research studies highlight this, that a speaker will give you credit for being a better listener by your maintaining eye contact. Mm. So the visual cue that you've got eye contact with them, they feel you're a better listener. So probably wasn't the intent of the question, but it's another way to think about eye contact. So if we come back from the listener's perspective, yeah. So for me, I just work in a triangle from the eyebrows down to the chin that just basically becomes a way for me to do that. I do that three times clockwise. I do it three ways anti-clockwise and I just keep doing that. The other uh, signal they'll send to you is body posture and breathing. So beyond the eye contact, beyond the eye uh, creases, beyond the chin, beyond the lips, beyond the eyebrows, which is the classic place that most um, experts in. Human body language will spend their time. The real human lie detectors, as they're called, these are people who are used to advise uh, lawyers in jury selection, for example. Uh, These are people who help out in hostage negotiation. Uh, Stuff that matters much more sometimes. People's liberty is at stake. People's lives are at stake. They're noticing the congruency between not only what they're saying, not only what's happening on their face, but their breathing. Is their breathing fast or slow? And is that congruent with what they're saying? So typically, if you really say you're excited about something, your breathing will shorten. But if the breathing is deep and it's held long and they're saying, I'm really excited, you instinctively you're going to notice that. You're going to notice that that's not congruent. A lot of the times when I'm working with clients, there'll be a moment. In fact, you had that moment, Kevin, on our recording when we were talking about your interaction as a loss listener with your wife. Your body state literally changed in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I asked you, what's just happened? Mm-hmm. Because it, there was this huge pause. There was this huge moment of reflection. And your body energy, which is usually up, um, really was... Paused and really reflective in that moment. So, yes, we can look at the face, we can look at the eyes, notice the breathing as well as the body energy too. And if we think about those three things, yeah, we're going to be listening on a whole different level.
0: You're right. I've thought about the movie scenes that we have, especially in some of the crazy action movies of our time now, where they'll take a specific acute scene and slow motion. I want that to happen every time. It's a right listening moment, especially in my home, especially with my family, especially when I can tend to be a little overwhelmed and I need to listen. I need that dramatic pause to say, Kevin, this is important. Maybe that's an app that you can put out Oscar. Okay. Uh, the listening app that, 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 jury that grabs us when at the appropriate time
1: hey kevin you know you've got the world's best listening app it's your mind mm. it's your heart and it's your gut you just gotta figure how to use it again you yes. already know how we've just been distracted into not using it
0: that is well and that's that's why you're here with us thank you again and thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show Dan Van Lowe, Uh, he says, be an active listener. I find that I get easily distracted. Sometimes the distractions are external, noise, other people, activity. Sometimes the distractions are internal, my own thoughts, opinions, interjections. In order to combat the distractions, I have a notebook and pen handy to take notes when I need to be an active listener. I make sure they know why I'm taking notes and that it's only for one conversation. As an attorney... I was forced into this habit for court hearings, client meetings, meditation, mediations, etc, and mm-hmm. incorporated the practice into attending church board meetings and even personal meetings over coffee. This helps me focus on listening to what's being said and allows for me to make a more well-thought-out response rather than being reactionary or being rude and interrupting the other person. I have since learned by not talking and organizi- organizing my thoughts in this matter, other people in a meeting uh share rather than have me dominate i can then focus my thoughts on what's most important last sentence he says i do not use this practice when talking with my wife exclamation point uh maybe <laughs> maybe he should well i appreciated that when i did learn from a business mentor a long time ago the importance the value of taking notes for personal memory one and for the honoring going, coming back to our respect aspect of the other person. I just came here straight from a lunch meeting. I had my journal out on the table. Um, I did take notes and I knew it was honoring for the other person, but it was literally for me to remember. And I think it's from this habit that I'm sometimes amazed at the, uh, even people when I've been paid to consult with them at a high dollar amount and they don't take notes and I think, well, do they have a photographic memory <laughs> Or are they really going to remember this? And I think most of the times we do not. So I, I really appreciate that. Really interesting coming from him as an attorney, where he was forced to do that. Uh, is that a habit that you are an advocate of as well?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great prompter, and it's a good habit. And again, to build on that, if you are a note taker, uh, the more you can adapt your notes to be graphical rather than uh, verbatim where you're literally writing words down. Um, when you're in the act of writing, your auditory pathway to your brain literally is shut down in the process of writing. Hmm. So if you're drawing, it's not as locked. So wow. I always, uh, spoke to uh, four-time Uh, world memory champ and he said uh, one of the things if he had a tip for anybody when you are taking notes is to make them as graphical as possible because graphical uh, imagery is stored faster and is recalled longer now i think the point that was made is announcing why you're taking notes is really important but if you're literally going to sit there and scribe the entire conversation um, that's probably a good example of unproductive note-taking. I think most people jot down ideas and prompters for themselves. And if it's quick, if you just write a sentence, I strongly encourage it. But if you're literally writing down paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, um, you, you will, that will create another form of distraction there. Uh, particularly in that legal context that that makes a huge difference because uh, I interviewed a, a a Chief Justice in Australia, and he he drew a tree while he was listening to testimony, so he would draw the trunk of the argument, he would draw the branches and the leaves that he didn 't think were so relevant, and he just kind of he said he touched on that about every five minutes over uh, three hours of hearings. So they kind of have three hours, then they have a break, and then they have three hours, and then they, they wrap up for the day. But this tree diagram actually became quite famous in legal circles about mm. it was his way of listening. So I encourage those mm. techniques because it is about honour. Mm. Uh, just be careful not to take too much verbatim. Uh, otherwise, you will, you will kind of miss the point of what you're doing. And... Uh, yeah, when it when it comes to uh having the conversation with with the with the husband or the wife, yeah, um more's at risk. That's probably why you don't take the notes. Um, but again, mm-hmm. honor them and ask them, you know. Some conversations you might. So we were planning a trip to India, we're going in a couple of weeks and we started planning this about six months ago, Jen and I. And um I'm kind of the big picture guy when it comes to me and Jen. And she's the detailed person. And uh, I said, hey, look, uh, I just need to know what day I'm turning up and what day I'm leaving. I trust you with the rest. She goes, well, that's not good enough because it's our holiday. Mm -hmm. So let's do this together. And I was like, sure, do you mind if I take some notes because I'm trying to figure out the locations and the timing and all of that. And she was cool with that. But... You know, if we're probably talking about our relationship and uh, communication style and I said, can I take notes, (laughs) she'd probably say, yeah, that's the first problem, you know. Hmm. You know, this is is about what you feel, not what's in your head. Um, So, yeah, notes are great, just more graphical and uh, grab the ideas and the actions rather than trying to be verbatim.
0: Okay. I'm curious uh, on that, on a thing. Uh, And you also mentioned a memory champion and just for context, I reviewed, didn't fully read, reviewed the book, moonwalking with Einstein uh, Mm. that talked about those memory champions and some of the memory, the the literal events that they went to is um, really enamored by that because that is an area that I have not sought to strengthen in myself a whole lot. So looking at that, but I'm curious with you talking about the graphics, I hadn't thought about that. The, current fad, uh, not to, to to minimize it at all in marketing right now are the explainer videos, Mm. the videos, you know, as you're watching, somebody's narrating and there's the hand that's literally drawing that out. So I just, again, came from a presentation at a lunch meeting doing that. And I find myself very drawn in more so than just a talking head of a person and more so than an audio. So is that a tangible, uh, combination of what you're talking yeah. about as far as how it works okay
1: absolutely look explainer videos um are really good uh, uh, one they engage the visual cortex really well and if you look at visual auditory and kinesthetic learning styles um it's in in the west the the majority 40 percent are visual in their approach but why explainer videos work is it's a joint construction you see it evolving in front of you and it creates time across space in the idea as opposed to presenting the idea as the finished idea it shows you how the idea is constructed so you get bored into the idea because Oh, wow! I saw that when that was a blank piece of paper, and I saw the idea evolve mm-hmm. so again if you 're in a any kind of role where you have to communicate an idea, that could be a salesperson, that could be a, a leader of a religious institution, that could be a politician bring people along in the construction and the evolution of the idea moves it from your idea to their idea, And that's why those explainer videos work really well.
0: Goodness. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Those are things I'm looking at right now for business purposes. So good to hear mm. that confirmation. Kyle Fillenworth. He says, I remember reading Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people as a senior in high school until that point as a natural introvert, I remember struggling socially most of my young life. I just could not figure out how to gain favorable attention from my peers. Then I read that brilliant line from Dale Carnegie. You can win more friends in two months by being genuinely interested in others than you can in two years trying to get others interested in you. My last semester of high school, as well as the rest of my life, was completely different from before reading that book. Because from then on, the pressure was off. I realized that I didn't have to be creative and flashy in a conversation in order to win people's trust and earn real friendships. All I had to do was encourage others to talk about themselves and listen, truly and sincerely listen. Well, I'm a fan of that book. That was, goodness, 1940s, 1950s, and yet... Yeah,
1: keep, keep going back, even it Was it
0: really? 20s? How far back? to that-
1: no, I think it was 1912, unless I'm mistaken.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay.
1: Mm. Well, so it's well over hundred years old now.
0: Incredible book. And yet here we are today where, and we touched on this in our main show together, where we see there's that wisdom then. And yet today, I, again, we talked about some of the culture, but I think to some extent you would say it's, it's even more of a, a lost art that you're trying to help us come back to.
1: Yeah, and I think the point Cole makes is that um, when you just listen, it's it's actually quite relaxing. It's not hard. You give you give your ego up, and you just you're in them. Um, so a lot of people say, you know, listening's hard for me because you know I'm distracted, I'm lost, or whatever. And if you just like, hey, I'm genuinely interested in what they're saying. Um, for me, time stops, and it's like oh, in there. And uh, as he said, it's like turned around for him really quickly. Um, Great case study in, Mm -hmm. uh, in the power of being interested in others.
0: Well, so right on that aspect, Colin Martin, he says, one lesson I learned the hard way is that truly smart people listen first, ask good questions to hear more, and then talk. If we were to teach our children how to ask questions with the intent to understand, then they would learn to be better listeners. I could have saved myself a lot of grief if I had known that. Again, hearkening back to our main show together, we came to that discussion of, yeah, when I see somebody and perceive that they are not only caring, but that they are wise is the word that came to mind for me. They Mm -hmm. are people who listen. They are not so, uh, fervent to get their own word in, to get their own thought in, they are happy and confident in themselves to sit there and listen to what I have to say. And then as he said, to also ask for more. And you again, talked about that, uh, in the show about that digging in of, of, is there any, you know, is there any more that you want to say? What I think the the statement you said is, what did you not say? What else, you know, what did you not say within there that you, that you could still be said or that you'd like to,
1: I'm curious what else you're thinking about this.
0: I am That's the phrase. Well, it, j- just, it, it comes to me as now Colin said a smart, the smart people listen first and ask good questions to hear more. To me, it was, it literally in my mind rephrases as a confident person and who does not want to be a confident person or be perceived as a confident person. And in doing so, it's not putting on the show, trying to mm. have the witty retort which is probably my inclination. Hmm. It's to be confident in themselves enough to be willing to listen and to ask for more, to understand more. I, it's, that's a picture that I want to be Oscar.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And the funny thing is you already are. You just need to trust yourself to get there.
0: Hmm. You're my encouragement coach today and I will gladly accept that. Uh, thank you, Monica and Fernandy, she says, I loved listening to your podcast with Oscar on deep listening. I listened twice so far and shared it with my husband. As a yoga teacher, I often cue my students to listen to the space between the inhale and the exhale. This skill, yeah, this skill is truly in need as we are all surrounded by voices of many these days. Take a pause, breathe, and listen deeply. I shall share Oscar's words while teaching yoga. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. Keep bringing on good guests in our first show. Again, you talked about the pause being treated as another word. Is that, did Mm. I get that right? Yeah. That also spoke to me. I don't know that I do it in my personal life that well, though I was taught to do it in business, especially in sales to ask for that sale, ask for the decision and then pause. And I did it. I saw great effect. Uh, from that, am I employing it in my personal life as well? Maybe I'm going to take your encouragement. Maybe I do some. Uh, I, I wonder if I could do better. Either way, I, what she says there, uh, that space in between, breathe, exhale, that is a that is an anomaly in our culture as I experience it.
1: Mm. Yeah, the point Monica makes is as you breathe in and Notice what's happening before you breathe out, what's happening in in your chest, what's happening in your lungs, what's happening to your diaphragm, what's happening to your throat. And your struggle's real, Kevin. Everybody has it. I have it. You know, as we turn up professionally, uh, we'll bring a version of ourselves. But to come back to that wisdom and that confidence, it's not to show up differently at home it's how do we show up consistently and confident in ourselves Mm -hmm. so uh, i noticed when you were talking about your professional listening your eye movement was relaxed and it was focused and yet when you talked about your home listening it was racing. Your eye movements were fast and up and to the right. And, uh, that's a code that, you know, it's something that you're thinking hard about right now.
0: Mm -hmm. It, It is, it is. I I'll be candid in that. I have, uh, I have a lot of children. My oldest is 24. My youngest is now Six and I find myself going through times of I think a little fatigue a little a little daddy fatigue a little fathering fatigue of I'm still fielding those questions I'm still hearing the story of uh, the long drawn out story of the game they're playing or the story they're writing which is is brilliant but I'm aware of my own. Yeah. Feelings of fatigue in there. So I'm revisiting that again, as a father, I have a son who turns 13 today and this weekend is a special time we'll take together about that transition to manhood. And so I'm thinking again about the acuteness of my example as a father and, uh, always looking at my marriage. So again, that's why the moment I heard the message of your book, I thought I need it. I'm betting my audience does, but I need it. So I'm going to get free counsel right here. Uh, <laughs> which I am and I'm taking to heart. I, I, I really love your attentiveness even here. And folks, we, I always use Zoom. So Oscar and I are looking at each other and I am uh, under the microscope of being seen for how, I, I, but I appreciate that because I become unaware a lot of times of my behavior, uh, my tendencies, my habits, when I'm speaking and when I am listening as well, which that point, point, we did talk about that in the first show about the aspect just of being aware of being Mm. self-aware. So that I guess that word confidence is is one that comes to the surface for me. And the other is being self-aware. I will have those moments of running off and not being there and then I'll rein myself back in. And I'm sure that's very obvious.
1: Can I come back to the six year old story for a moment, please? I'm trying to visualize, where you are, you were thinking about that story. So where were you when you were listening to that story? Were you in your home? Were mm-hmm. you driving back from
0: school? Mm-hmm. No, I was at home in the
1: living room. Mm-hmm. In the living room? Mm-hmm. And um, you were both sitting down at same eye level or you were standing up listening to the story and he was looking up at you?
0: Uh, in that visual, I was, I was eye to eye sitting there, yeah. Ah, oh, great.
1: Okay. Because for a lot of us uh, who are taller, um, The tip is simply bring the child up to your eye level or you come down to their eye level. And The same is true if you're calling to speak to the children. Um, This is a little bit harder to do if you're in a public environment, but I'd still encourage it. Bring your eye level down to theirs when you're calling. Even if you're FaceTiming or doing a WhatsApp video or something like that, Hmm. It, it, it it will bring your perspective into a listening perspective rather than your perspective.
0: Goodness. That is, that is interesting. And, and and when you said the word calling back in my home, I had the vision too of calling out to my children and something uh, calling out yeah, everybody. It's time for dinner, time for whatever. And out of the, this issue of respect over the past few months now, I have been endeavoring to stop what I'm doing, which is often cooking and <laughs> to, run upstairs or run into the other room or wherever and find them and address them in a face-to-face conversation and say, Hey guys, can you wrap up and come on? And instead of yelling in just trying to instill that spirit of respect that I want them to give to me, to others as well. But it's been a very, very tangible, very acute uh, aspect. And so yours too, of getting on there, level i'm grateful that my mind's eye was eye to eye but often it is down especially to my little ones. Mm -hmm. and it takes just a moment it's good exercise squat down there look them in the eye i i will retain that oscar
1: yeah and while you're on the topic of the meal i was uh lucky enough to interview a couple of parenting experts because i get asked a lot about how do we teach our kids how to listen Mm -hmm. um but it's not the point of what i'm going to mention justin dr justin coulson um mentioned to me that in that food preparation example that you use there um, encourage one of one of the older children to cook with you it creates great time where particularly for uh, teenage males if they're distracted they'll listen so Mm. if they're given a task to do um, so imagine chopping up vegetables or or um, cooking something with you um, you're not in eye-to-eye contact um, and, and that, that creates a really good listening environment for them. Um, but his point was um, the classic, you've described one of the classic situations where you're trying to round up the family to eat. And he said if a, if a parent does that, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll get there. But he said recruit one of the other children to do it and they do it with a completely different enthusiasm and you'll see the dynamic change. Um, when the kids ask the other one, so in yours maybe just ask the first one and get them to tag the next and quite make a game out of it is was his point
0: my family really appreciates cooking together uh, mm. and having everybody come in which is not always my propensity i come home at the end of the day i've often gotten most of my words out already and I can go in the kitchen and, and cook and put some music on and, and have a little bit of solitude while they're doing their things. But they so enjoy, yeah, coming in. That's interesting, though. I have not thought about that dynamic as they're sitting there cutting something up that I've, I've given there. We are generally talking, or they'll even be listening to the music that I'm playing. We'll talk about the music. We're a very musically-oriented family yeah, as well. Yeah, right. I need to harness that more. Um, I had not, I had not realized that something else I wanted to ask you about. Well, I'll, I'll use this, this comment to lead Mm -hmm. into it. Charlotte. Tamea, she says, I always intend on being a great listener. Although I find that guiding a stalled conversation, I am sometimes more verbose In consulting when a client or prospect is being interviewed and has, as a loss for words, I pay attention to the gaps and value the skip and return method instead of coloring in the areas of emptiness around even the most open-ended question. You can truly never know what surprises may be revealed when you listen to even the silence that the awkwardness of that, I struggle with, I struggle with people who are not very verbal and the conversations that are and the tendency to try to fill that in because of awkwardness. I'm just glad she brought that up. Uh, speak to that one, because I think that's one that those who do have an intentionality about speaking, about listening, there are still those moments where it's a toss-up of how do you, do you, I I like her, her visual there of coloring in the areas of emptiness. Do you seek to do that? Do you let the silence
1: go? I, I think just be playful with silence. It's, um, we, I mentioned that in the East, silence is a sign of wisdom and power. Um, Quite often if you're in Japan, Korea or China, the person speaking the least or the one with the longest pause is actually the one with the most power uh, or authority in in a situation of uh, an organisational context such as a business. It's okay not to know because if our fix is too quick, which generally means it's probably not the right one, you're gonna to have to revisit the conversation, re-quote, redo the work, and the cost of that is much higher than if you just play with the pause. Hmm. In in my consulting work, a lot of the times I'm working with these people who are incredibly gifted, brilliant minds. I work with um, people who deal with really complex situations and they'll bring a, bring a topic that they're struggling with and I'll just say, can we just sit with not knowing for a moment hmm. and just watch what it's like for us not to know? Because that's a human experience that we need to notice too. And notice patterns about how often don't we know and what are the patterns when we don't know. And again, with the example here with Charlotte, um, sounds like a pattern for her. It sounds like, you know, if you turn to the page about the shrewd listener, we'd see a photo of Charlotte there uh, trying to colour in the gaps. And for shrewdies, for people who love to solve and fill in the silence, just count to three: one, one thousand; two, one thousand; three, one thousand. Um, the awkwardness is usually what you're bringing, rather than what they're bringing. Again, people've got nine hundred words a minute stuck in their head; they've only got a hundred and fifty words they can get out a minute, and sometimes that pause that awkward silence is them just trying to line up 800 words to honor you and communicate that effectively and succinctly um but silence is a platform for so many solutions yet we think silence is the segue for us to talk so yeah just embrace it and um be good with it watch it and notice it and Have fun with it and go, just call it out. I've said a couple of times, hey, I know this feels awkward, but I think it's productive. And sometimes people giggle and sometimes people just nod and keep the silence going. But, you know, holding that tension, if you're a consultant, salesperson, you're somebody from a profession, like a lawyer or an accountant or an architect or something like that. Think about what's joyful in this moment, too, because it's a moment of co creation. It's just a moment of unconscious, non verbal co creation.
0: You're that right there. I, in a previous business, held about 15 live events where I uh, rented out a, a, a camp, in essence, and had people come there, stay there. And initially I felt so beholden to provide so much value that I had it packed from 7 a.m. in the morning till nine o'clock at night and beyond. And finally had somebody uh, not confront me uh, to offer up some uh, constructive yeah. criticism in love They said, one, you bring us out here to the Rocky Mountains in this beautiful place and we don't get to experience it. And two, you give us so much great information, but there's not enough time. To reflect on that and your Mm. discussion right there of silence, the time to digest it, to reflect on that, that we tend not to do. i V I'm even thinking right now, envisioning brainstorming sessions that I've had with brilliant people, but it's generally a continual flow of discussion and putting things up on the wall and not time to reflect. I end up doing that afterwards. I have to do Mm. that in the evening. The next day I have to reflect, try to capture it and reflect. And would we have more value in building in that time of silence and reflection right then and there? Um, I might try that Oscar.
1: Let me create two perspectives. One's a campfire and one's the process of composing music. Many of us have been blessed enough to have the opportunity to camp or visit a location where a great day, the sun has set, the campfire is going. But the connection that's created and the memory of that campfire is the subconscious connection of all of us staring at the flames at the same time and rarely do we say a lot. There are many moments of reflection and yet a lot of us will continually reflect that one of the best times we spent was the time around the campfire. Mm. And uh, it's kind of, um, it's a fun connection actually because I got taught how to make s'mores in Colorado.
0: <laughs> um, around a camp
1: Around a campfire. Um, with Chuck and Kathy, and um, you know, I, I just flash back to that making that in that moment. But most of that three, four hours that we spent, yeah, there was talking going on, but there probably was as, as much silence and just enjoying the blue flickers in the red and the yellows and the whites and the charcoals and all these amazing colors that creates a way for us to enjoy the silence. So that's one aspect of silence. And then talking to people who create music from scratch with a blank piece of paper, one of the things that struck me when I talked to them, they say it's the gaps where in between where the instruments and the voices are that's as important to musical composition. It's the silence that's between the notes gives the listener time to pause and fully hear all the notes and then help them make meaning from that Hmm. is something that they have to be very conscious of in the composition of music as well. So these things that connect us emotionally, that connect us memorably, that connect us with meaning, these things often are wrapped in silence.
0: There are... More comments than we can get through. Um, I'm going to stop us there because I feel like you have given us through these shows, not only an introductory to listening, but you've given us some some graduate level insertions as well. I am such an advocate of what you're doing, Oscar. I appreciate your own skill set with the listening. It is an incredible uh, example to me and i am continually honored to be the messenger to bring this to our audience and eager to do what i can all i can to help bring you to as many audiences as possible i think this is a um life altering as you know message and thank you for giving us your time for the third time on this show it won't be the last either we need to hear this continually and go deeper in our listening of your message, Oscar. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Well, friends, thank you as always to everyone who shared their candid comments to our question for today. It's a gift to all of us, hosts and listeners alike. Again, I highly recommend getting Oscar's book, Deep Listening, from his website at Trimboli, com. And give him a gift in return for his guidance and sharing by leaving a review in iTunes for The Ziegler Show and mention Oscar and this show specifically. I'll fill you in on what's coming up next after I share some great resources. Coming up next in show 657 is being mentally tough a healthy habit for success this is our habits show where we walk through the seven spokes in the ziggler wheel of life and hear the healthy habits of our guests which this time is alan stein high performance coach known for his work with pro basketball players An author of the book, Raise Your Game, in show 655, we dug into his message and really gave a lot of focus on the massive value and necessity of self-awareness. Yes, even if you're a pro basketball player on the court. On that note, reviewing his healthy habits was just profound. I was intrigued with Alan's commentary on mental toughness and the reality that All we can control is our attitude and effort. And that goes, again, even for those NBA pro athletes. Well, folks, till then, thanks for being with us today and look forward to walking with you as we inspire our true performance together in the next show.